let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Woo! Awesome. Matthew chapter 12 recalibrates. We're going to recalibrate an important part of our body today. We've been talking about this process and what it means. Recalibrating is about three things. Anybody remember what they are? Number one, what is the standard? The standard, we've got to figure out what the standard of excellence is in that area. What are we measuring by? What is our basis? Number two, what is the difference? Difference talks about where I am versus where the standard is. If I want to be excellent at something, what's the standard? Where am I? And then the conformity comes, what am I going to do about it? You want to be a great athlete? What is the standard for a great athlete? Number two, what's the difference? Where am I? There's a gap. What am I going to do to bridge the gap? Am I going to do something different to become the standard? Or am I just going to accept where I am? Am I, what am I going to do to be the best employee I can be, to be the best in my field? What's the standard of excellence? What's the standard for getting a promotion in your company? Well, where are you and what do you need to do to change that? What is it about where you are that needs to conform to a standard? What's the standard for a great husband? What's the standard for a great wife, for a great great to son or daughter. This is what we're talking about, recalibrating our thinking. And we talked about recalibrating all areas, our bodies, through fasting, through food. Then we recalibrated our ears and what we hear. Talked about the, the voice that's loudest in our life will often shape our identity. Then we talked about recalibrating our, our eyes and, and what we look at, what we're focusing on. And then today we're going to talk about recalibrating our mouths. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, recalibrate your mouths. I hope you're ready for today. God's going to challenge us all, but it's important. It's important. It's going to be a good facet of, of recalibration and what it looks. We're going to recalibrate our mouths on the J train. I don't know if anybody knows seeing Toby Mac song. This is an old school Toby Mac song, but we're going to do it, or, or J cube. We're going to recalibrate our mouths on the J train. We're going to talk about three people, Jesus, Jeremiah, and James. All three of those individuals in the Bible are going to help us recalibrate our mouths. Why do we need to recalibrate our mouths? One, because your eyes and your ears, I said, they're the gates into your hearts. What you're looking at and what you're listening to, those are gates into your hearts. But your mouth is the gateway out of your heart. Eyes and ears are gates into your hearts, but your mouth is the gateway out of your heart. So we're going to find out what that means. You ready to recalibrate our mouth? Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. This is for you. <laughs> our words. Don't pick a fight at church. You're the one who told us to do it. <laughs> See, the reason your mouth is a gateway out of your hearts, our mouths, our words can be locators, identifiers, or releasers of truth. So we need to make sure we're adjusted to the right standard. We're going to find the standard. For the standard, we're going to Jesus. How many knows he's a good standard to go by? So the first J on the J train of J cubed, the J trilogy, whatever you want to call it, the standard is Jesus. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. It says, either, the make, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its what? It's fruit. It's known by what it produces. You're going to know something by what it produces. So the first part of the standard on our words and recalibrating our words is our words are supposed to be productive. They're supposed to be productive. We want to figure out what that means. Look what he says going on the next. Brood of vipers. How many know that's not a great label you want to hear from God? 
You never, if you, when you're talking to Jesus, you never want to hear him say, hey, brood of viper. It's not the best thing you want to hear. So he, he talks about that, and it's really that's offspring of snakes, offspring of certain serpents. In other words, another place in Scripture where Jesus said, you're not the son of my father, you're the son of Satan. So it's, this is talking about your origin. What you're doing is coming from him. When he told <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. Sometimes you think things that in the Bible may be confusing. When, G, when Peter said to Jesus, you're not going to die, you're not going to go to the cross, and Jesus turned to him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was talking about the words that were coming out of him. They were from Satan. That was not authored by God. So that's what he's saying. The things that these people are saying, you're, you're, you're offspring of that. So anyway, go on. How can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is the gateway of the heart. Things come out of the heart. Jesus is telling us this. So how am I supposed to use my words? What is the standards? Here's the, the abundance means a surplus, the superabundance, the excess. Out of the excess of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Out of what's abundant on the inside of you is what's going to come out of you the most. What you believe the most about yourself will come out eventually. Sometimes we can say certain things and we can get by a little bit, but what's really on the inside of you will come out the majority of the time. So we've got to have an abundance of what God says in our hearts so that that will come out. We can't have a little bit of God and a whole bunch of our flesh, a whole bunch of the world, and expect God to come out of our mouth. Out of the abundance and excess is what overflows. Right? So you've got to put a lot in. We've got to put God's word in. Look what else he says. So again, they're talking about the standard. How are we supposed to use our words? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man or woman, out of the good treasure of his heart. Good treasure. How do you treasure things in your heart? What are, the, what are the gates to get words in your heart? Your eyes and your ears. Jesus said this, let the words of my mouth and the, med- or the Psalm said this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing, be acceptable unto you. Out of the abundance. So out of the good treasure, you get it in your heart, through your eyes and through your ears. Brings forth good things. An evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. You want a short translation for that verse? Garbage in, garbage out. What you put in the most is what's going to come out the most. You put junk in your heart over and over, listening to songs, listening to things, watching movies, reading things. What You put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. What you treasure in your heart is what you're going to bring forth. That's what he's saying. But look at verse 36. Are our words important? Verse 36 says, But I say to you that for every idle word men or women may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For every idle word people speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. How many knows if God says something that for every idle word you say, you're going to have to give account of it on the day of judgment? I want to know what idle word is. If I'm going to have to give an account of every idle word I speak, that sounds serious to me. That perks my ears up. (laughs) Anything where a day of judgment and giving account, I pay attention. Because I can fool you. I can pretend and put on a good show, but I mean, we can't fool God. Day of judgment is like naked, everything exposed. All your motives. Everything, it's out there. So when he says idle word, I'm like, oh, how am I supposed to use my words? If I'm going to give an account, what's an idle word? Here's what the idle word means. 
Number one has two different meanings, but it talks about being inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, accomplishing nothing. (laughs) It comes from two words that means not and to work. (laughs) So in other words, he says, for every word that is worthless and accomplishing nothing, you're going to have to give an account for that. Why are we going to have to give account for that? Because he's saying your words matter. People will say it doesn't matter. People say, well, what I say doesn't matter. But Jesus is telling us for every every worthless, useless, non-working words you use, you will have to give an account. Why? Why? Because he knows we are leaving things on the table when we don't use his words to be productive in our life. He will, it's not you'll give an account like, ah, you're going to have to pay for that. He's going to show us what could have happened. Come on, let me help you. It's not he's going to be mad at you and bam, slam you down and you didn't use the right words so you're in trouble. What give account for is he's going to show us. Say, here, if you would have changed your words, you would have changed your life. You use those useless, you wasted words, use lazy words, and here's what it costs you. Let's give an account. I want to be aware of what I'm leaving on the table by not using my words correctly. And this is what he's saying. Because look at how powerful it is. Look at verse 37. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. <laughs> so the standard is, are we supposed to use our words? Not idly, but use our words productive. Look at your neighbor and say, be productive. <laughs> Tell them, don't waste your words. Don't waste your words. All right, so we got to be productive. we got to move on. So the, the next part of our, the standard, go to Matthew 15. I want to talk about this real quickly. Matthew 15. So our words, the standard, they've got to be productive. Remember that. Number two, verse 11, Matthew 15. Now what goes into the mouth, sorry, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man. Praise the Lord for that. But what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. The disciples were talking about, the the context was talking about washing their hands and stuff like that. And why the disciples weren't washing the hands of Pharisees had a problem with that. Jump down to verse 15. So then, you know, Peter said, you know, can you explain this parable to us? Look at verse 16. Are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Do I need to explain that to anybody? All right, just, (laughs) you got that part. All right, verse 18. But those things... Sometimes the Bible is just funny what Jesus talked about. I mean, why has he got to say that? <laughs> Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man or a woman. Defile. So if the words that come out of my, fa- my mouth will defile me, I want to know what defile means. So here's what defile means. If you look it up, here's what I broke down for you. To cause something to be unclean or unacceptable to God. So the words that come out of my mouth can cause me to be unacceptable to God. Again, Psalm 19 verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, God. So let my words be acceptable. Let they be what you want them to be. And that's, that's something I could teach on. But here's something that jumped out of me. It was the second definition of the word defile. It means to be common, ordinary, belonging to the generality as distinct from what is peculiar or special. So what comes out of the mouth can defile me, make me common, make me ordinary, make me non-special. Make me a part of the generality. 
So what does that mean? Why do my words matter? My words matter because God called us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he calls us a holy nation, a peculiar people, a special people, an uncommon people. So here's what I got out of that, and here's what I'm going to throw out to you, that God has called us to use uncommon words, to use our words in an uncommon way, uncommon levels of faith. Uncommon words of hope, uncommon words of kindness, uncommon words of love. You're you're a special person. You're a peculiar person. So our words should be productive and they should be peculiar. Why should they be peculiar? Just getting around you, people, their faith should be built up. Their hope should be encouraged. Their love should be felt. The, The love of God should be felt because of the words that's coming out of your mouth. Peculiar words, we're uncommon people. Look at your neighbor and tell me you're peculiar. <laughs> you're peculiar. Your words should be uncommon. Some of you really enjoyed these moments of talking to one another. Some of you not so much. But here's what we got to understand. As followers of Jesus, our words are not supposed to be ordinary. Our words are not supposed to be common. They're supposed to be peculiar. People should get around you and say, man, why do you talk so happy? What's what's up with you? Why are you so hopeful? Why are you so positive? Why are you so filled with hope? Why are you so loving? You can tell them it's because I'm peculiar. That's why. Because God's called my words to be uncommon. Because I got an uncommon source on the inside. I'm not part of the generality. I'm part of the unique, uncommon kingdom of God. I got something on the inside of me that's not normal. So don't settle for normal. You got to let the abnormal come out, uncommon words. So let your words be productive and let them be peculiar. That's the standard. Go to work tomorrow and be some, release some uncommon, peculiar words. Not those other words, some good words. So now let's look, that's the standard. That's the first J, Jesus. Now, now let's talk about the difference. We got to go to the second J. Second J is Jeremiah. How am I supposed to use my words? Jesus telling me that. They've got to be productive. They've got to be peculiar. Number two, how am I currently using my words? Here's the locator right here. Jeremiah. So what's the difference? What is the difference? What difference does it make? What impact do my words have in the grand scheme of everything? Let me just tell you this first and foremost. Some people get defensive. You start talking about words. You tell me what I got to say, what I can't say. Hey, we can say whatever we want. You have total freedom to say whatever you want. God gives you free will. What we're talking about, recalibrating the words, is not talking about what we can't say. We're talking about what is best to say. We're talking about what are we trying to produce? What are we being productive? What are we trying to do? So I'm not gauging what I can't do. Never live your life based on what you can't do. Live your life based on what's best to do. Well, I guess I'm a Christian. I can't do this, this, this. Oh, you can do whatever you want. You want to cuss all day long? You can cuss all day long. <gasps> yeah. You can. You can. What's it going to produce for you? I don't cuss because I can't. I don't cuss because it's a lower level of communication. I'm not building that. I'm not trying to communicate that way. I'm not working on that. I'm working on something different now in my life. So I change my vocabulary because I've changed my direction. So this is what we got to find out. What's best to say? What's the difference? Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. 
Oh, Jesus. Help me. Help me. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let me get there. All right, it's verse 9. I'm going to start there. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Mm. (laughs) So he touched my mouth. I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. This day I've set you over nations and over the kingdoms. What day did he set him over nations and over kingdoms? It's the day that he put his words in your mouth. So what did he do? Did he set him over the nations and over the kingdoms? No, he put his words in his mouth and those words are over nations and over kingdoms. You've got to grasp what God's saying. The words of God is what puts us, and nations and kingdoms don't think physical like I'm going to rule a country. Nations and kingdoms is spiritual authority. I will put you over the kingdoms of darkness when my words are coming out of your mouth. The day that God's word starts coming out of your mouth is the day that you're over the kingdom of darkness in that area of your life. That day. Not the day that you see it, the day that it starts coming out of your mouth. Not the day you see the results. Remember, remember, remember Daniel? Remember Daniel started praying? 21 days later, the angel shows up. What was the message from the angel? From the first day, from the first day you started praying to me, I heard you and I, I came. I was coming your way, but the prince of Persia was holding me up. But what I'm saying is the first day that you start declaring the words of God, he says you have authority over the kingdoms of darkness in that area. This day, this day, man, that's good. We preach that a little bit longer. Oh, the clock's ticking. See, I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and throw down, to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I'm ready to perform my word. Here's the difference part of using our words. In verse 10, he says, I put my words in your mouth, put you over nations, over kingdom, to do what? To root out and to pull down. I put this in your notes. What does root out and pull down mean? Root out and pull down talks about to pull up by the roots, to tear down. Destroy and throw down means to break in pieces, to kill, to cause, to perish. To build and plant means to build, to construct, to rebuild, to plant, or new growth. Here's the question for us. What are we building and what are we tearing down? What's the difference? When we recalibrate our mouths, Jeremiah is letting us know that our words in our mouth are either building something or tearing something down or both. That's what's happening. He puts us in here so we understand what are we building and what are we tearing down. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Are we tearing down what God's trying to build? Are we building what God's trying to tear down? Our words are either building or tearing down. Our words are either rooting out and tearing down what the devil's trying to build and building what God wants to build. See, this is why we want our words to line up with God and speak what God's trying to tell us to speak. Because the difference is that I need to be building what God wants me to build and I need to be tearing down what the enemy's trying to build. In our life, the enemy's trying to build something all the time. What does that look like in practicality? It comes in thoughts. 
your thought life. The enemy tries planting a thought in your life that this is who you are. And if you will keep talking about it, you will start building it. We've got to decide what we're going to allow into our hearts, what the enemy is saying or what God is saying. So we need to be tearing down the thoughts, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. We've got to tear down the thoughts that are building something that's against the kingdom of God. And we need to be building up what God says about our life. So use your words to build what God says and tear down what the enemy says. Recalibrate your life. Don't agree with what the enemy says. Don't build it. Put your words to use to build what God says. Building, how many know building is a process? It's a process. So if I say you're going to go build what God says, you better know it's not going to show up this afternoon. It's going to happen, but you're going to give some time. He, he called us to be builders. Look what Ephesians 4, 29 says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, edi- for necessary edification. That word edification means the construction of something that impart grace to the, hear- to the hearers. What do you want to build this morning? What are you trying to build? What are you building in your life? Let your words start to go to work on what God says you can have. Don't put your words in agreement with something the enemy's trying to build because this is what you see. Well, I see this happening. I see it. It's going to pot. I see it happening right in front of my voice. Whatever I'm speaking, that's what I'm building. If I'm speaking fear, I'm speaking what's happening. Well, it's a reality, Chad. It's what's right in front of me. It's happening. I'm not trying to build that. I'm going to tear that down. I'm going to tear down hatred and unforgiveness. I'm going to tear down offense and animosity. And I'm going to build grace and love out of my mouth. Oh, it's a process, but you got to build it. This is what he asked us to do with our eyes. This is what Jeremiah is saying, the difference. What do you want to build? 1 Corinthians 14.3 even says this. But he who prophesies speaks edification, building exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Even when you're praying in tongues, you're building yourself up. This is why you pray in the spirit. This is why you pray in tongues, because the Bible says in Jude that you build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit. So he tells us right here, praying in tongues is for building up yourself. Prophesying is for building up others. I'm going to talk about the gift. we got plenty of teachings on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Pick those up out there in the foyer. But this is what he's talking about. We need to be builders with our mouths. What you're talking about is what you're building. What's dominating your conversation, that's what you're building. Ask yourself, is that what I'm supposed to build or is that what I'm supposed to tear down? I'm going to put my mouth to work. Time to get your hard hat on and start building. Are you seeing what you want to see? No, then start building it on the word of God. I'm not talking about speaking your preference and your wants. Remember Jeremiah says, God says, I watch over my word to perform it. God's not watching over Chad's words to perform it's not I confess whatever I want and it happens to me. That's not, the, that's not the gospel. The word is that God will oversee his words. And if I will keep speaking his words, he will perform his words. All right, that's the second J. We got to go to the third J. Third J is conformity. Go to James. We got Jesus, Jeremiah, James, New Testament, James chapter 3. So we got the standard for our words. What am I, how am I supposed to use my words? Number two, how am I using my words right now? What am I building? What am I tearing down? Number three, how can I change my direction? How can I change the usage of my words? Look in James chapter three, verse one. My brethren, 
Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that they shall receive a stricter judgment. Well, praise the Lord for that encouraging word right there. That verse got me shook right there. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. Now, the word stumble means to trip or error. You know, if you stumble over something, it's usually accidental. The verse is telling us we all make mistakes. We're all going to trip up on something. It's not talking about intentional sin. This is the thing that we just, we're all going to stumble. But he says, whoever does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or she is a perfect man. That word perfect means mature. Don't get choked up on the word perfect. It means complete or mature. So if we can not stumble with our mouths, we are reaching maturity. Able also to bridle the whole body. That word bridle means to control with a bit or bridle, exercise control over something. If we can put control over our mouths, this is where you keep your eyes straight forward and don't look at your neighbor. If we can learn to control our mouths, we're going to reach maturity in our life. How many knows controlling your lips and your mouth is sometimes the hardest thing we can do? Oh, a lot of nods up in here. Yes, sir. Amen. Ooh, I feel that right there. Why? And, and how many knows it's the most difficult time is with the people that's closest to you? <laughs> Why? Because we let our guard down. We're on our best behavior around everybody at church. Hey, good to see you. God bless you. Love you. Bless you. Hey. Hey, great to have you. Good to see you. God bless you. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Highly favored. Praise the Lord. Good. How you blessed? Then you get in your car with your spouse. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm not going to say. I'm not saying. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Notice the horse with bits in their mouths. You put bits, if you will influence the mouth of a horse, you will influence the direction of a horse. Where's the power coming from? The power is coming from the horse. Where's the direction coming from? The rider. Why? Because the, the, the comparison is this. If you will influence and impact the, the mouth of the horse, you will direct the power of the horse. You will, direct the, the, you will impact the direction of the horse. Big ship, huge, massive ship, powerful ship. But if you'll just turn the rudder, that entire ship will go in a different direction. Notice what it's talking about, that the power's there, but it's directed by the bits and the rudder. So look also, look in the verse 5. Even so, or in addition to that, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Here's what conformity is about. If I'll change my words, I'll change my direction. Your tongue, your words, here's the power of recalibrating our words. Because just like the bits in the horse's mouth, if you will pull a little bit, if you will influence the horse's mouth, you will change the direction of the horse. Just like the rudder on the ship, if you will turn the rudder of a ship, you will change the direction of that ship. And God's telling us, if we will change our words, we can change our direction. 
You can change the course of your life just by changing the words that's coming out of your mouth. That's not my story. That's not my message. That's the Bible. That's James telling us that. The third J of J cubed. So we got to understand that the standard that Jesus tells us is, listen, I, I want you to make sure that your words are purposeful, that they're uncommon. You may annoy some people with your uncommon, uncommon vernacular. But go ahead and be uncommon and let them know, just like Jeremiah, I'm working on something. You start talking about something and people don't see it. You don't see it. I don't see it. But you start talking what God says. And they say, why are you saying that? I don't see it. You say, that's okay. I'm working on something. I'm building something. I'm building something. What are you building? I'm building it according to the blueprint that God put in my heart. His word have I hid in my heart and I will build according to that blueprint. I'm not building according to the blueprint of what I see. I'm building according to the word that put in my heart. That's why I'm not waiting till I see it to get excited about it. I've seen the design. I've seen the plan on the inside and I'm going to build according to those plans. When construction is slow, when things are not going the way I want it to be, people walking off the job site and things not going the direction, people, weather's bad and, and things are slow in the process, I got to keep going back to my plans to help my vision stay fresh of what it can be. Recalibrate our mouth. There's some things in our life, folks, that we need to root out and pull down. You've got a powerful weapon. You're going to have to give an account for every worthless, inactive word on the day of judgment. Not as a punishment, but your father will say, hey, look, look what could have happened if you would have changed your words. Look what would have happened if you would have stopped saying that about yourself and started saying what I say about you. Stop thinking it's humble to insult yourself all the time. It's the worst teaching that ever happened in the church. The people will insult themselves over and over and think it's humble. It's not humble, it's insulting God. Because what God says about you is the truth. So I just want to speak the truth. And my daddy says some great things about me. People may not see it. People may not like it. But he says some great things about me. And when I don't agree with him, I am lying. So now we see where we are and we got to do what James says. And we've got to change the direction of our words and we'll change the direction of our body the direction of our whole life. He said, you turn the whole horse, the whole body, you turn it wherever the rider wants. You turn the whole boat wherever the pilot desires. Who's piloting your ship? Don't let other people pilot your ship. Don't let others' words pilot your ship. You pilot your own ship. Pilot your own direction. I know this is where my family went. I know this is what everybody else says about me. But what does God say about me? I'm choosing the direction of my life, and here's where I'm going. I'm choosing the direction of this marriage. I'm going to align my words with what God says. I'm choosing the direction of my child. I'm going to pray this over them. I'm going to speak this over them. I'm going to declare this over them. Let your words be productive and let them be peculiar. 
I'd love to take 30 more minutes, but I want you to understand something. I, I believe God's got enough truth for you to follow, to, for you to apply. So ask this question of your heart right now. What things do I need to root out and pull down that are not true? They're just simply not true. It's not what God says about me. What are things that the enemy's trying to build in your life that you need to take the sledgehammer to, the wrecking ball to, and knock it out? He's trying to build up fear, anxiety, worry, and stress in your life. He's building a massive stronghold of anxiety. You need to take the wrecking ball to that bad boy. Say, uh-uh, not up in here. What things do you need to start building that you can't see it right now, but you keep building? It's a process. Have we arrived? Nope. But let no corrupt communication, words come out of my mouth, but everything that's good for edifying.